Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Saturday, September 2nd, 2023. You were just ready to go on that. I just wanted to be sure that you didn't get it wrong because people be telling stuff to us all the time. I like didn't even get the word podcast out of my mouth and you're just Saturday, September 2nd, 22nd. <laughs> I just want to make sure we're standing on the right date. Saturday, September 2nd. Yeah, it's September. It Happy September. new month. Yeah. Yeah. New months are Still always good. It. Yep. It's yep. got that new month smell. It does. Speaking of which... It's been a little bit cooler out, and even in the early mornings, there's a little bit of smell of, of fall in the air oh, here man, in Texas these days. Oh, man, it's been so nice. I, yeah. I've been just reveling in the weather. Yep, yep. And it's still like 99 for a high, but you feel the difference. Not that bad. You feel <laughs> the difference from 107 to 99? Like, that's, that's dude, significant. 110, 112, like 90, 99 feels like, dude, I'm, just, I'm, in, I'm living my yeah. best life now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I went out and got my car the other day to go home for lunch. I didn't even turn on the air conditioner in my wow. car. I just drove home. That's, that's I was drenched crazy. when I no, <laughs> still, still a puddle. Yeah, no, it, it it has been nice. That's good, man. That's that's encouraging. It's also encouraging just that that we serve the God that changes out the seasons. As, Thank the Lord. Yeah, as Daniel talks about, right? I mean, that's the realization that Nebuchadnezzar had to come to that that Daniel realized that uh, that we get to realize too, and that's why we're not sitting here as doom and gloom fear mongers that are worried about climate change, and you know, you need to get rid of your gas car and buy electric and you need to, and that's fine if you did, but, but we're not afraid of what's coming. We're not afraid that all of a sudden the sun's going to burn the hole through the ozone layer and zap us all. Like if that's got how God's going to end the earth, I, I don't know. I always thought God was more creative than to just burn a hole in the ozone layer, but, <laughs> um, and we should be good stewards of our creation, Indeed. but we don't fear because we know the God that changes out the seasons. And so fall will come and winter will follow. And then come spring and then come summer, unless the perfect comes before then. I'll take that. Yeah. Well, let's jump into the book of Proverbs. Why don't we? Let's do Proverbs. It. Proverbs. Can you start by telling us what a proverb book. is? Proverb is a pithy statement communicating some fact of, of wisdom. So are they promises that we can cling to? Uh, some are, and some are points of counsel and advice that are, are truth. They're promises in the sense of they're, they're statements of truth that this is how things work. Um, when he talks about being slow to anger, it, it's... Yeah, someone who is not slow to anger does exalt folly, right? And the book of Proverbs talks about that. That's a true statement. Uh, one who is slow to anger is better than a, a city with walls and a mighty one who rules over that city. Yeah, that's a true statement. That's one we can hold on to. Um, so in that sense, yeah, does, is that where you're driving at? Uh, yes and no. Um, I think about the, the the parenting Proverbs where ah. I, well, and I guess maybe we can talk about that when we get there, but just trying to think, okay, as someone's opening the book of Proverbs up, they're reading these, I think, generalizations that can come across very strong as, as if they were checks to be cashed, as opposed to, I think, the way that they're intended to be understood, which is pithy, wise sayings, the art and skill of godly living. Yeah. Uh, I think that's kind of the tenor and tone, uh, but it is also the word of God. It's God's infallible word. So, understanding its genre and its purpose, I think will help us to rightly apply them. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's helpful. Yeah. Well, the book opens up in chapter one with, Hey, it opens up in chapter one. 
Did you learn that in Not seminary? in chapter four or no. five? No. I did. I learned that in seminary. Oh, it opens up with uh, a statement of the purpose of the book in verses two through six, and then the theme of the book there in verse seven. So it's all about gaining wisdom. And you mentioned the phrase skillful living, and I think that's helpful. It's, it's or knowledge applied, right? Knowledge lived out. So uh, the, the book of Proverbs was written by King Solomon to, uh, to his son in, in order to impart wisdom. Hey, this is how you should live your life. This is, uh, these are important principles here. And verse seven is the result that he was after because he wanted his sons to fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And the fear of the Lord is what? Well, the, the second part, we've talked about parallelism, right? The second part of that verse explains what the fear of the Lord is not. And that is when someone despises wisdom and instruction. So the fear of the Lord is not to despise or hate wisdom and instruction, but to embrace it. And to embrace wisdom is to apply it to our lives. So the fear of the Lord looks like living wisely before him. And that's the beginning of true knowledge. Chapter one then goes on to uh, pick up a theme that he's going to visit a lot, especially in the opening nine chapters here or so. And that is just the, uh, the, the exhortation to his sons to avoid temptation. And here it's general. Uh, it's those sinners that he talks about that entice you. He says in verse 10, do not consent. In other words, flee from them, which is a theme picked up in the scriptures elsewhere. Be careful who your influences are. That's, that's kind of the message here. Uh, similar in, in many ways to Psalm chapter one, look at verse 15, my son, do not walk in the way with them or hold back your foot from their paths. Psalm 1, you remember, was talking about the man who's blessed and he's the one that's not walking in the way of sinners. And so here Solomon picks up on something that he heard his dad, David, Mm -hmm. singing about and he's now writing these truths to his son here in Proverbs chapter 1. Verse 20 and following then picks up another common theme that we're going to find in the book of Proverbs and that is the cry of wisdom. And wisdom is personified many times in this book. And wisdom is there in making herself known. Uh, She's crying aloud in the street, in the marketplace, at the head of the noisy streets, at the entrance of the city gates. This may seem uh, foreign to us, but these were all the places where people would have have, uh, frequented during this time. Wisdom is available. Right. In the entrance of the city gates, that's where the leaders would have sat. They would have held court right there at the the opening to the city gates there, and wisdom is there. So in other words, Solomon is saying, you want wisdom, she's available. She's Mm -hmm. not hidden. Not hiding. Right. You can have it. But she's only going to be there for a certain amount of time because in verses 28 through 30, we find that there's going to come a time where those that have rejected her will cry out for her and want to find wisdom, and yet wisdom will at that time not respond, not uh, not answer. And the reason is because of the people that hate knowledge, verse 29, and do not choose the fear of the Lord. So in Proverbs chapter one, Solomon is really opening things up and calling his son to pursue wisdom because of the benefits therein and warning him of the dangers of pursuing uh, the, the folly of sinners that might entice him because the day will come when he'll want wisdom and it won't be there. Man, I love Proverbs. I mean, this this is one of my favorite books. It just feels evergreen. Like you could open it up any day of the week, any season of life, turn to any chapter, and it's like, oh, there's something there that I needed to hear. It gets a bit cryptic as we get into later chapters, and there's a lot of a lot of Proverbs that I, I just kind of scratch my head and say, I wonder what he meant by that. Yeah, I still do that quite a bit when I'm, I'm unsure. But this one, the first several chapters are just so clear, so they're crystallized pithy truths that just need to be applied, especially if you're a young man or young woman. You'll you'll notice that the audience here, uh, largely, I mean, it's focused towards sons, Solomon's son. It's focused toward young men. You've got the wise, you've got the simple, you've got the fool. 
we all need this every season of our lives, but especially for our young people. Yep. So this would be a really great book to make sure that you go through with your children, pointing out to them how a wise son or daughter responds to the call of mom and dad to to forsake foolishness and to embrace wisdom in the fear of the Lord. And something along those lines to help you, there's 31 chapters in this book. Mm. So they fit largely with our month system, our calendar system. That's right. So you can begin each month with chapter one and there's going to be a couple months you're going to have to pick up two chapters and then in February you might have to do three or four. But by and large, you can follow along and even go monthly through the book of Proverbs and have 12 times through the book of Proverbs by the the time the end of the year is is upon us. So helpful in that regard as well. Well worth your time. Yep. Well, chapter two opens up with then how do we get that wisdom? And I think that the opening five verses here reveal to us that we don't stumble into this wisdom. We don't just come by it naturally by just living our lives without thinking or, or giving intentionality to it. If you'll notice the, the, the counsel here in chapter two is active. Uh, hey, receive my words, treasure them up, make your ear attentive, incline your heart, call out, raise your voice, seek for it, search for it. So in other words, there's effort on our part to glean and, and gain the wisdom of God that he's talking about here. How does that fit with the fact that she's available everywhere. She's in the marketplace. She's in, she's on the noise. She's raising her voice and come to me. And yet chapter two seems to suggest that you still got to find her. Like you still got to dig. And like, how does, how do these two things fit together? Because we live in a world of, of competing voices, right? And in fact, later on, we're going to see elsewhere in the book of Proverbs that the woman folly is raising her voice as well she's in the yelling. same places that the woman wisdom is. Mm. And so there's counterfeits. Exactly. And so we, we, it's not like wisdom is on a hiking trail by herself and we're walking on that trail and it's just us and her mm-hmm. and we can z- zero in straight on the call of wisdom. She's there. She's not hidden. She's round. She's available to us. But man, we, we need to make sure that we are are drowning out the noises of the world to focus in on, on the wisdom of God. Super helpful. And, and I think I would only add to that one, one small thing. Um, you, it's ironically, it takes wisdom to know wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> and thankfully, God does not leave you without a, a helpful starting place. You have the very words of wisdom in your hand right now. If you have an iPad or whatever it is, medium that you have, start with the word of God. It takes wisdom to discern wisdom. And we must start with the basics, the word of God and the fear of the Lord. Yep. Yeah. In uh, chapter two, verse seven, we see some of the benefits of wisdom as we, we gain wisdom. It, it, the, the Lord becomes a shield to those who walk in integrity and wisdom is crucial to that. If you look at verse 10, wisdom will come into your heart. Knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. The results there, verse 11, discretion will watch over you. I like that. Yeah. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech. So think back to Psalm 119 when it opened up there and it said, how can a young man keep his way pure by keeping it according to your word? Mm-hmm that the word of God, the wisdom of God here, it has a preservation impact on our lives to help keep us walking in integrity. And the Lord is a shield to those who walk in integrity. And so that is a benefit to wisdom. Uh, as we go to verse 16, that, that comes out even more. You will be delivered from the forbidden woman. There's another introduction of somebody that's going to show up multiple times in the book of Proverbs, the forbidden woman or the adulteress. Um, and the, the adulteress is uh, one who appears a- attractive and appealing on the outset. But then the thing that the, the writer that King Solomon does with the adulteress is he, he's always 
pointing us to the end, pointing us to the end of temptation, to the end of sin, which is bitterness and death. Even her feet lead down to, to shield. They do not regain the paths of life. And so the adulteress is one to be warned uh, against. And uh, he does that here in the opening chapter. And again, wisdom is what will keep us and deliver us from that person. And isn't that interesting? It, this was uh, sexual temptation was a problem in Solomon's age. And we're sitting here you know, 2,700 years plus, almost 3,000 years plus later, it's still a problem for us today. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's a re- repeated theme in, uh, in the book of, of Proverbs to avoid the forbidden woman. And wisdom, the wisdom found in the word of God is uh, a huge part of battling that. Can you speak to the young lady uh, or the single woman who reads this? Um, how do, or I guess even the, just the woman in general, uh, a young lady or a woman in general reads this, what is the corresponding application for her? Is it simply just, hey, there's an adulterous woman. There's also an adulterous man who's going to try to entice you into do this and this and that. Yeah. Uh, or is there more to it than that? How would you talk a, a young lady through this? Yeah, yeah, I think the adulteress is not to be taken overly literally. I think we're dealing with, by and large, the uh, the area of sexual temptation. And that is not gender specific. In fact, a lot of studies have shown recently that this is the, the gap is closing between um, males and females, uh, if you will, on, I'm trying to keep this, keep this, uh, PG, um, on the, the digital influences, if, if I can put it that way, that lead down that path in today's society and in today's culture. When you look at social media and you look at the online presence and accessibility of a lot of these things, this is not a, an issue that is a man's issue the way it, it used to be preached when I was growing up in high school. I mean, the, the guys and girls would be separated. The guys would get to talk on this and the girls would get to talk on modesty. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's an injustice in today's society and culture. I think this is a, a, a temptation and an issue for both. And so I think when we read this, though, she's personified as a woman here. I don't think that this needs to be written off as from our, our lady's perspective or say, well, there's also an adulterer, a, a man out there. I think the point here is there's sexual immorality that's prowling about for and looking for our young people and looking not just for our young people, but for anybody. People of any age. And we need to be on guard and God's word is a key to that battle. That's a great point. And I, I think the man, there's so much more that we could say about that. And I think we probably both have some personal experience with people that are struggling with this of, of, you know, both genders. Uh, This is a real and difficult issue. And I guess one thing I would say as, as a parent of, of young people and a prior youth pastor is that you, you have to go out of your way to make sure that you guard your family's internet activity that's not easy. Uh, yep. And I, I've talked to parents about that before. And I know that it's, it's like, well, I don't know how the, what's the DNS and what's a VPN. And I get it. It's, it's a challenging field, but listen, no one else is going to do it for you. Right. You must learn and you must protect her. It'd be the same thing as having your doors um, without having locks and saying, well, I don't know how to install a lock. I'm just going to leave the door unlocked because I don't know how to do it. I'm just going to let whoever wants to come in, they can come in. Yeah. We do the same thing with our devices when we don't take active measures against guarding our family against these destructive influences. Yeah. And, and parents, you might be sitting there going, well, I don't want to be the uncool parent or I don't want my kid to be made fun of because he doesn't have this app or he doesn't, his phone is locked down or whatever. Look, if that's, if we should prefer that over the alternative. You know, giving the unfettered access, not caring and, and, and yeah. risking the damage there. My guess is you may have that perspective, but then you're, you're probably not putting a, a 12 pack of, of Coors Light in your son's hand and saying, well, you know, I don't want to be the uncool parent. Right. right and right. here I'm just I'm giving you this, but use it wisely. 
you'd sit there and be like, well, of course I wouldn't because the dangers contained therein. Well, there's dangers that if we're not actively monitoring these things and aware of what's going on as parents, there's dangers waiting to, to blindside our kids. Um, and we're just saying we, we need to be helping and protecting and sheltering. That's part of our jobs as mom, moms and dads. Yeah, that's going to be an unpopular decision for sure. Yep. But I think we need to be okay with the fact that our kids aren't going to like us for a season, uh, but they will love us for life, yep. realizing what we've done for them. Yep. And then the other thing, just before we jump over to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, parents, be ready because you can do everything in the playbook by the book to protect. And yet in our culture and society, they will be exposed to these things. So you need to be ready um, to yep. have those conversations. Because their friends don't have the lockdown. Exactly. That's exactly. for sure. Yeah. So uh, foster those relationships. There's so much there. And I, I, I just, I know we'll get back to more of it as we go on. But yes, we will. Yeah, it's good. First Corinthians chapter 12, spiritual gifts. All right. Well, I'm going to bow out. I've okay, got again. to go. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, spiritual gifts. Well, we've been talking about the unity of the body in the Lord's Supper. And, and that, we're doing the whole chapter. That theme, you see yep. this? We're yeah, doing the I whole do. chapter. Hey, dude, I didn't write it. Here we go. I didn't write it. The theme of unity in the body continues in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and that's really uh, a lot of the focus here as we're talking about gifts. Um, note there in verse 3, though, before we get to that, I want you to understand no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Well, can someone actually utter the words Jesus is Lord and and not have the Holy Spirit? They can. Yes, they can. It happens all the time. What he's talking about here is with conviction on both sides of that occasion or equation. There, there's the word. That's the one. In other words, you're not going to wake up one day and and curse Jesus, and you're not also going to wake up one day and say, oh, well, Jesus is Lord, and go wishy-washy back and forth between the two. There's an evidence of the Spirit within us that produces that conviction to trust in the Lordship of Christ, and mm-hmm. I think that's what Paul's at in 1 Corinthians 12, because then he goes on to, to talk about what are the impacts of that? What are the effects of that? Well, the effects of that is you have the Spirit within you, and the Spirit within you is going to give you a gift, verse 7, a manifestation of the Spirit that's for the purpose of the common good. Mm. Now, what's interesting in this is we back up to verse four, five, and six, though, is notice the emphasis on the oneness here in the, the, the unity. He's saying, yeah, there's varieties of these things, varieties, 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 but it's the same God. It's the same Lord. It's the same spirit. So it's, it's ironic, unfortunately, that a, that a chapter so focused on the unity of the body of Christ has led to so much division and chaos within the church. Probably grieves God. Yeah. Yeah, it undoubtedly does. And so we're going to do our best to, to treat this passage humbly um, and recognize up front that there are believers in Christ that disagree with us on our position on this. And, and we love matters. And we love them. And we hope they love us. And we hope they love us. And we will be in eternity with them. And right. we will be fellowshipping with them forever. And at when that God point. tells them that we were right, we're not going to gloat. We're just going to, you know, we're going to hold our tongue. We're going to smile do little, angelically. Do a little moonwalk, a little fist pump behind the back. We'll turn around and be like, <laughs> yes. No. Give them the wink and the nod. And the, you know, the, the shoulder shrug, like, oh, you know, we all make mistakes. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> you know? Um, but he gets into the outworking of it in verse 11. He says, look, these gifts are all empowered by one in the same spirit who importions to each one individually as he wills. Uh, and then he gets into this, this analogy of the body having many members, but one body. And, and there's a focus on the unity and how the church works together. And there's all kinds of different gifts in the body, but all of it is working together as all of your different, there was that dove commercial. Do you remember that from a while back? There's so many different parts in the human body and dove is for all of them or whatever. Oh, I don't remember that now. Yeah, well, anyway, somebody will email in and be like, it was this one. Uh, but that's kind of what's at work here. There's all these different parts of the body. It's one body and we're together as one. I love verse 18 as it is. God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. Now that's Paul's 
it's it's a tool for the illustration that he's giving, but it also applies to the church, that the mm-hmm. church is made up of people that God has brought into the church because he wants them there and he wants them to use their gifts in specific ways there. He gets into, and we're going to, don't worry if you're going, hey, you, you missed the, the part that I wanted to know about the most. We'll, we'll come back to that. I just want to hit the whole chapter first. He gets into the the, the value of these these people and uh, in the varieties of gifts he says look they're all important and he even says look the the immodest parts of our body the the uh less um what does he put less honorable less honorable thank you parts of the body we bestow greater honor on them by covering them up Uh, you you put clothes on and you you want your clothes to look nice you want the clothes to to make your body look (laughs) appealing right and, and this is why we put covers over some people in the church. Yeah. We don't want people to see them. They exactly. look more attractive when they're covered. It's like a dust cover. <laughs> um, and But the, the idea there is you don't do that for your hands, right? I mean, I guess some people wear fancy gloves, but, but by and large, you don't think about covering up your hands because your hands don't need that, but you're not giving that honor to your hands, whereas you're giving honor to the other parts of your body. So he's even saying here, like even the people in the, the church that, that might feel like they don't have as much to offer as others, there's honor and there's worth in what they bring to the table, just like there's honor of and worth in those parts of the body that we cover up, though they may not be the, the parts that are seen by, by everyone. Looks like in verse 22 and 23, just to add one, one element to this and in my studies and research on this PPJ, you could tell me if you think I'm wrong on this. It seems like Paul's talking about some of our private parts. He definitely is. Yeah, okay. Just to yep. make sure we're on the same page here. I don't yep. want anyone to miss this. Nope. Paul's taking this analogy to the body to the fullest extension possible. Yes. Your private parts, your unmentionables. Paul uses, uses as part of the illustration to say, look, you, you cover these, you, you, you protect them. You know, you don't just kind of throw them out there and let them be exposed and, and, and not like other parts of the body that you would do that. I think it's, what's important here to recognize is that every person in our church, and, and I guess maybe think about the people in your church who maybe don't get that kind of honor. Uh, PPJ is always on stage. I guess that's true for a lot of us. Some of us are on stage and you see them all the time. They're the more quotes here, presentable parts. There's people behind the scenes that you never see that are, that play a different role that still require the same kind of consideration care. They're the, uh, they're indispensable. Paul says they're indispensable parts of the body. And, and that's the way that we have to think about this. The whole body works together for the common good of the whole body care for every part of the body. Our old pastor used to say, that we ought to be churchmen. We should care for every part of the church, mm-hmm. not just your little slice of the pie, not your ministry and your thing and, and your little slice. And I want to get more budget for my crew because we're the, you know, we're the most important people. God doesn't allow us to think that way. He wants us to care equally for every part of the body. And how challenging is that? Do you care for every part of the body? If not, maybe repent of that right now and renew your commitment to do that. And what I love about our current season in being a church plant is it's it's easier to see. Yeah, you can see everybody. Those behind the scenes. Totally. We had somebody in the church. Uh, yeah, I'll say it, Janelle. Janelle Lowe. She has been awesome. She's been, uh, we've, we've shown up at church and the bathrooms haven't necessarily been clean for us. And, you know, the school was there all week long. And, and so the trash need to be emptied. The counters need to be wiped down. Uh, mirrors, same thing. Janelle jumped at it and she said, I'm out, I'm on it. I'll, I'll do it. I'm going to go do that. I mean, wiping down a bathroom counter, like think about that. That's not something, that's not a gift that everybody's like, that's, that's the one I want. <laughs> And I'm not saying that's her spiritual gifting, but she did it because it was important and it was significant. Right. 
Um, too bad we're out of time to talk about the most important things. All right. Well, hey, this has so, been a great yeah. episode yeah. of the Daily Bible Podcast. E-break. <laughs> Put it in reverse. Okay. Variety. Tell so me what, about spiritual gifts. What are we doing with spiritual gifts? So he lists some early in, earlier in the chapter, uh, beginning in verse eight. There's the uh, the utterance of wisdom. There's the utterance of knowledge. There's uh, the faith by the name of the spirit, uh, the, the gift of healing, uh, the working of miracles to prophecy, the ability to distinguish between spirits to another. Here it is. Various kinds of tongues and to another, the interpretation of tongues. Now, we are, and we've made this clear before, we are what we call cessationists, okay? That means we believe that the sign gifts have ceased. They're no longer in normative operation within the church. And sign so, gifts, sign gifts, to be clear. Sign gifts being miracles, sign gifts being healing, and I, we, we would extend it to sign gifts being prophecy as well, and tongues. Yeah, tongues and all those um, things. So what do we mean by tongues here? V- various kinds of tongues. Tongues, when we look at the word glossa, which is what it is, in the, the, the Greek there, we get our gloss. Glossalia, I think, is the word that we have in our even in our English you say language. Tomato, I say tomato. It it's a, a word that we've embraced that refers to different kinds of languages. And when we look at the Book of Acts specifically, we see that when the word tongues is used, it's used of known languages. Think of the Day of Pentecost, mm-hmm. when the the apostles spoke in tongues, everybody was hearing them in their own language. These are known, understood languages. These are not private prayer languages or spontaneous ecstatic utterances that we're talking about here. And the gift of tongues in that sense of being able to speak a language that you didn't study, you didn't do uh, Rosetta Stone or whatever whatever that online thing is, you didn't know it. And all of a sudden, God, by the Spirit, gave you the ability to speak in that tongue, right? And then there are those with the gift of interpretation, those that didn't know how to interpret that that tongue, and yet God gave them the ability to understand and interpret so that the others in the church might be built up. Because we're going to find out. That's what the point of the tongues is was to begin with. Everybody in the body was to be built up. It's not an individual thing. It's for the good of the body of Christ, as every single spiritual gift was. That was important to the spread of the church early on, to get the gospel as far and wide as possible, so that as many people could hear it in their language as possible before we could print off a a Bible in somebody else's language and send it to them. The gospel needed to go out as far and wide as possible. The gift of tongues was how God used that, that, that purpose to get the gospel out to people that needed to hear it. Today, we don't believe that the gift of tongues still is in operation. We believe that it ceased along with the gifts of healing and the gifts of working miracles, the gifts of prophecy. We've talked about it in the book of Acts. The miracles validated the message, and that's what a lot of this was doing early on in the church. It was validating this brand new message that Jesus is the Messiah. We don't need the sacrificial system anymore. We don't need the priests anymore. We have a great high priest now. Hey, on what authority are you doing this? Oh, man, I'm seeing you do some pretty crazy things. I'm going to listen to what you have to say. Right. And, and there's so much more we could say about this, but one of the reasons that we're convictional cessationists is because we, we, we can see, even within the New Testament, that these gifts appear to have, I mean, I don't want to say disappeared, but they, they, they appear to have dissipated at least, yep. even to the point where one of Paul's last words to Timothy is, hey, take a little wine for your frequent stomach ailments. Now, why wouldn't Paul, if, if the gifts were still in operation, why, why wouldn't Paul say, hey, Go find someone with the gift of healing mm-hmm. and ask them to pray for you, Timothy. Dude, go, go get it done. Take care of that. God would certainly want to heal you because you're one of his servants. You're a pastor after all. We want to preserve your, your, your service. Paul doesn't do that. Um, Paul himself had uh, ailments and I- issues to speak of that he didn't apparently use, the, use on himself and neither did he ask for someone to come and speak in tongues for him, to pray over him. I mean, I... This is a hard subject. And so again, we're going to disagree with a lot of godly people on this, but it just seems from our best reading of scripture that God allows these things to disappear 
as a result of having faithfully delivered the message that now has been credibly established and allows us to deal with God on his terms. We have his word, we have his gospel. Whether or not we believe now is not going to be dependent upon God doing something miraculous, God thing level one. It's now a matter of our willingness to believe or disbelieve based on what he's revealed. Yeah. I think one more section dish to, to hit on as we uh, we wrap up, though, is the end of chapter 12, where he's uh, addressing these different gifts again, and he's talking about the what God has done. He's first given the apostles, second the prophets, third the teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, uh, various kinds of tongues. And then he goes on this. He says, does everybody have these gifts? No. But then he says in verse 31, but earnestly desire the higher gifts and I will still show you a more excellent way. What do we do with that? Earnestly desire the higher gifts. I, mm. Again, the, the time is not there for us to delve into all of the intricacies of this. Here's the takeaway that I want you to think about. I want you to walk away. And I think this was Paul's desire for the church. I want you to walk away thinking, I want to, I have a desire to be as useful to God as I possibly can in the service of the body of Christ. I want to do as much as I possibly can in whatever way I I possibly can do it, but I want to be as useful. God, maximize my usefulness. And I would love if that looked like you put me on stage and and I was preaching a sermon someday. Okay, great. That's going to be a you thing to train me and give me the, the, the gifting and abilities to be able to do that. If that would be it, then yes, that would be awesome. I just, I want to be as useful to you as I possibly can. And there's more to it. That's an oversimplification of the end of first Corinthians chapter 11, but, or chapter 12, but should this podcast not go 45 minutes to an hour, it's going to have to suffice for today. Sounds good. All right. We'll we'll catch you again tomorrow. And don't worry, we're going to come back to the, the, the tongues, the tongues issue is not going away. It's going to show up again in verse 14. So Mm -hmm. if you're hungry for more or chapter 14, if you're hungry for more, we'll get back to it, but we'll get back to first Corinthians chapter 13 and some more Proverbs tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. See you tomorrow. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Thank you.